Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Right here on 830 WCCO. Good morning to you. Welcome to our Lawn and Garden show called Smart Garden. And look who's here. Mary Meyer, horticultural science faculty member at the University of Minnesota Extension. Good to see you, Mary. Great to be here, Denny. Good morning. Beautiful Good. summer morning. It really is. Yeah. It's so delightful. It, it is delightful. It's 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 fresh, fresher than what we were experiencing <laughs> in the uh, southwest part of the United States. But I had a good time. Um, in fact, I was even taking some pictures of some succulents as we were taking yes, you were. <laughs> you know, I think of that landscape and I think of almost plantless. You know, You're right. It's, it's, You're right. It's uh, beautiful colors of rocks and soil, but almost plantless that, out there. It's a good it's description. Moons, moonscape. So Indeed. very different than uh, beautiful Minnesota that's so green and lush right now. But it is uh, beautiful, nonetheless. Yes. Oh, just, it's just yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, and your camera just can't capture the right. perspective and yeah. all of that. But anyway, we're here talking lawns and gardens, and it gives you an opportunity to ask our expert and Mary uh, your lawn and garden question. But folks are already calling in, Mary six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or send a text. Some folks are doing that already at eight one eight zero seven. So don't wait. You know we tend to get real busy. But Mary's here answering your lawn and garden questions, so uh, let's have them right now. 651-989-9226. Always like to uh, find out, too. By the way, a lot of the listeners that were with us on, on the tour love the show. And they Wonderful. were asking me <laughs> For questions. The and I said, now, Mary's the expert. I, I, I'm just kind of a facilitator <laughs> Conduit, here. yes. Yes, a conduit. Uh, but uh, what was I going to say? What's, what's happening at the uh, the Arboretum? Oh, the Arboretum is so beautiful now. We have so many of the roses are in bloom. Gosh, there's so many new, wonderful roses. But uh, the I, I did a tour yesterday for Normandale Community College. We talked about careers in horticulture. And I was going through the home demo garden and the... To the vegetables, everything are growing so well out there. And, of course, we have the tree houses and the kaleidoscopes that are on for people to visit. Today is another one of our community build days. You can build your own tree house uh, at a community uh, site we have at, in the gardens and walk around and see all of the artist conceptions of tree houses, which are great fun. Uh, and as I said, so many things blooming out there. The milkweeds are blooming now. The linden trees are blooming. You can smell the fragrance in the wow. air. So it's a great place to visit and 
uh, get some exercise, walk around Three Mile Drive, get some ideas for what to plant in your own garden. We are in the tropical colors. Well, let's see, our color uh, theme this year that Dwayne has done is citrus colors. So they're shades of yellow and orange and lime greens and just beautiful uh, tropical look uh, to the gardens. Excellent. What a great place to bring family and friends yes. to, or by yourself for that That's matter. right. It's yeah. a wonderful site. Uh, before we get to the calls, uh, Texter says there are aphids all over my hibiscus. Are they fatal or will they go away on their own? They probably will not go away on their own. The good news is is you can often get rid of those just with a water spray. So just with a hose with enough pressure to uh, disturb the aphids and move them off. You can use insecticidal soap as well. That helps to really uh, get rid of them and does a little bit more damage to the insects than just the water. So I would use water or insecticidal soap to spray them off. Uh, Aphids love hibiscus, so it's very common insect. Okay, very good. Back to the phones we go. Susie's calling from Arden Hills. Hello, Susie. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. Glad to be back. Well, I'm glad. I have a question for Mary, and I'm wondering about my little variegated high climbing hydrangea. It's taken about four years for this little puppy to even begin having a leader root um, piece, which it's got the leader coming up now, but it's no longer variegated. It's just a plain green. The rest of the plant is variegated and looks great. Should I cut it off or will it turn or is the whole plant going to turn green? Or what happened? <laughs> yes. Uh, I would not cut it off. Uh, you know, climbing hydrangea is a beautiful plant. I actually planted one of those this spring uh, because I love that plant so much. But it's not a vigorous plant for our climate. And so when you have the variegated form, it's even less vigorous. So it is. it might be a compromise for you. Do you want this plant at all in the green form? Uh, and you know you've had it four years how slowly this grows. I would leave the green form on there. Some plants do convert to a variegated form, but this is a more vigorous shoot because it's all green. I would leave it there, see what happens, and then decide if you can live with a green uh, climbing hydrangea, which in and of itself is a very nice plant. All right. Okay, Susie, good to hear from you. Thank you. I will do that. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Susie leaves that line open at 651-989-9226. This, by the way, our Smart Garden Show is brought to us by our friends at By the Yard who make the best patio furniture in the whole world. That's the sponsor of the show. We're grateful for that. Uh, Jennifer is calling from Rogers with a question. Jennifer, you're on with Mary. Yes, hi. I have a problem with my coneflower and um, bee balm and anything else that's kind of of that aster family where um, something, I guess I looked it up in the soil, makes the, the plant kind of deformed, especially when it blooms. And I'm wondering, how do I get rid of that or how do I treat that? What you're describing, I believe, is aster yellows. This is a, a virus-like disease that gets on um You're right, lots of plants in the aster family, it's transmitted by insects, and then it causes the weirdest-looking flowers and strange deformity in plants. 
Uh, sometimes these plants can live with that and continue to grow, but many times they decline and die. So the, you have to remove those individual plants uh, from that location. If you get a new plant, it's not, um, it really doesn't persist in the soil as much as it does in live plants. So I would encourage you to try a diversity of plants. Um, I know that the ones you're describing, cauliflower gets it much worse than bee balm. Uh, the bee bomb, I actually haven't seen it very much with aster yellows, but you you just need to avoid uh, cone flower. You might try some of the other types of sunflowers. There are a lot of annual sunflowers that are good for attracting uh, butterflies and other pollinators. So um, if you can rotate and put your cone flowers in another location, that's helpful, but it's mostly getting rid of the plant that has the aster yellows. Very good. Texter says, is it normal for my autumn blaze maple to start turning colors on the 1st of July? You know, I I have looked at some of these autumn blaze, and you can see them, kind of the color kind of coming in. You can almost tell that's an autumn blaze because it. why are they doing that this year? I don't know. Uh, We normally think it's a sign of stress. Uh, Maybe the heat did it, extreme heat. We know that maples don't like a lot of heat. They like moisture. We've had certainly adequate moisture this year. So it's, uh, yes, response to the environmental uh, conditions around them. And maybe they won't change much more for another month. Uh, So maybe it might be a little a slight drop in the chlorophyll, so we see those other colors coming out. But I wouldn't worry too much about it. Okay, good. Back to the phones. Ron is calling from uh, Brooklyn Park. Ron, you're on CCO with Mary. Hey, thank you. This is Ron. A quick question. Uh, We have a black walnut in our backyard. It's six feet in circumference and about 40 feet tall. It's a beautiful tree. But uh, this spring I noticed that there's a a fork in the tree at about uh, 10 feet up. And uh, there's, it started to bleed. It looks like there's uh, a sap running out of it, and it's um, uh, looking grainy. Uh, is there any danger that thing is going to split off for me and, and uh, drop the, the large uh, branch off the, off the uh, bee? Uh, that's a possibility. So you use the word V. Uh, well, so, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I was going to ask you what the angle is. Because the well, the the um, the wider the angle, the healthier it is for the plant. So we're talking, you know, perpendicular a branch coming out. That's healthy. The closer you get up there to the V, the tighter and tighter that V. That's less healthy. So people okay. people often think the reverse is true, but with branches. That ten that split tends to come right down the middle of the tree with those acute V's. So you could always call an arborist. They can give you a free estimate. The sap coming out is not so much harmful to the tree as it is indicative of maybe something else going on with your tree. Black walnut's a good uh, native. It's it's pr- a pretty tough tree. But uh, if you really like this tree, you indicated the size of it and everything. It's a significant tree in your landscape. I'd call in an arborist and have them uh, give you an estimate. Yeah, something that big. That's, right. That's, that's yeah. That's, and black black walnut's a good and a bad tree. It's great for yeah. wildlife, and uh, it's very interesting. But it, uh, of course, it's a little apathic. It no plants. A huge number of plants are killed by the juglone given off by the roots of that plant. Mm. 
All right. So the, your advice, call an arborist. Yes, have a professional yeah. uh, give you an estimate. It, it, they might say they might recommend some pruning, sure. maybe to change the uh, the weight load of the branches that are on the tree, or they might say the angle is good enough. All right, very good. Thanks, Ron. We have to take a quick break here. We have more show to come. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or send a text if you like eight one. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO. Denny Long in studio with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Extension helping us out from time to time. And Mary, callers and texters, we have a bunch of both. Uh, Let's uh, get to them. Kathy is calling from Coon Rapids. Kathy, thanks for waiting. You're on with Mary. Hi, Mary. Oh, I just love your show, dear. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Well, we love the callers that call in as well. <laughs> All right. I have a question here. I'm going to be moving into a new place, and unfortunately, I um, cannot take my one plant that I want, my mother's dwarf azalea. It's been planted for eight years in the same spot here. Now, my sister is coming down from North Dakota um, at the end of July. She would like to dig it up and move it to her home in North Dakota. Is that possible? It's done blooming. It's just got the green leaves on it. But um, we want to keep it in the family, Mary. Is that possible? Well, you could certainly try. The smaller the plant, the greater the chances of success. Okay. At this point, you could actually go in and begin root pruning it. You could go and take a shovel and dig around where you're going to make the, you know, the all the way around the plant as if you were going to take it out of the ground. But if you just go around and make the circle around it with your shovel, that will help to start to cut the roots off for where where you're going to, uh, t- what you're going to take out. Um, and then I would just have as big a container as possible, keep as much soil as possible on it, uh, you know, like a bushel basket or something that's wide and not necessarily that deep. Keep the soil moist. Maybe you can put a plastic bag in the bushel basket and keep the soil moist. Uh, don't keep the whole plant in the plastic bag, just the soil, and then put it in the ground as soon as possible. All right. Very good, Kathy. Thank you. Good luck with that. And good luck with the move, as a matter of fact. Texter says, uh, what makes conquered grapes turn brown and hard on the vine before they get ripe? My guess is that's a disease problem. It might be uh, Botrytis blight. Uh, There are a number of uh, fungal diseases that come on grapes. So I think uh, at this point, I believe it's probably too late to do anything to them because it's already past the point. Uh, Air circulation helps to uh, minimize botrytis, but that's a preventative fungicide spray that you have to put on early in the season. It's possible you might be able to prevent it from getting any worse if you still have a lot of grapes that are are green at this point, because I imagine that you do. But I'd recommend that you look on the Extension website, extension.umn.edu, click on Garden, and then look for uh, grapes, fruit uh, information uh, to see about, but it probably is botrytis blight is my guess. I'm glad you mentioned that website, too. We'll mention that yes. from time to time before you leave us today, too. Uh, back to the phones we go, Mary. Uh, Suzanne is calling from beautiful Lindstrom. Suzanne, you're on with Mary. Oh, hi, Mary. I have a beautiful weeping willow that I planted from a sapling. And um, I have a 
yellow-bellied sapsucker <laughs> that has drilled holes all the way around. Is there any hope that this tree is going to make it? Well, it, it, it might. It depends on a lot of things. Uh, usually the, the sapsuckers are there for insects and uh, getting insects that are under the bark and around the bark. Uh, I guess I would just wait and see. Uh, willows are quite tough. Um, they they grow, of course, with a lot of moisture. They grow quite easily. They are kind of a weedy tree. So hopefully uh, the uh, that uh, the woodpecker will not kill it. Unless it's really small, in and of itself, I don't think birds really account for so much of the injury. There's usually something else going on there. So I don't think in and of itself I've ever heard of but birds alone killing it, unless it was a really, really young tree and a huge proportion of it was being uh, uh, pecked away. Okay. I know we have to take a break. I want to alert our listeners. So those on the line, hang on. Uh, Texters as well. The text number, by the way, is 81807. We have uh, lots of those to return to when we come back uh, after the break. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show, brought to us, of course, by our friends at By the Yard outdoor furniture. We'll talk about that great furniture coming up in just a moment. Mary Meyer is with us as she is from time to time helping you out, our listeners, either by phone or by text. Uh, I'll tell you what, Mary, let's go back to the phones. We have folks that have been waiting like Rick in Bloomington. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, Denny and Mary. Thanks for taking my call. Great show. Uh, Mary, uh, my wife said, call the doctor, Mary, to ask her about this. Two things, (laughs) Mary. First of all, we have a number of nine bark shrubs in the front of our house and they're right now quite tall and she's wondering uh how much if any she can trim down at this point in time and uh the second question mary is we're trying to we have three beautiful ash trees in our yard front and back and we're trying to keep them injected uh with the proper stuff by a good a reasonably good company as far as we know uh, every two years, uh, would you say that's a reasonably good insurance, or are we barking up the wrong tree? <laughs> uh, well, Rick, as far as the nine bark goes, yes, you can prune that now. We normally recommend not taking off more than a third of the plant. Okay, but you can take the cut the longer branches off, or maybe take some individual branches off down at the base. Okay, so very good. yeah, nine bark almost needs to be pruned because it can be kind of gangly and tall, unless you have one of the dwarfer ones, but it doesn't sound like that. Oh, they're pretty gangly. (laughs) Yes, and then as far as the ash tree, yes, what you're doing is what the professionals are doing, the every two-year injection, two, maybe three years, but the injection for preventative of the uh, ash borer is the the best that we can recommend at this point uh, for trees that are specimen trees and trees that people do not want to lose. Okay, thank you so very much, you guys. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the call and the good words, too. Appreciate that. Texter said, we're going to go back to the phones in a moment. Uh, Texter says this, I have scattered quack grass throughout my lawn. I'm looking for the best method to get rid of it without killing the whole lawn and starting over. Any suggestions, Mary? Well, this is tough because it's hard to control quack grass. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of recommendations. The first is cut your grass shorter. Now, we don't normally recommend this, but quackgrass does not like two-inch cut. 
Now, two-inch cut is rough for grass, so two and a half, three inches. See if you can cut it shorter, which means cutting it more often. That will discourage the quackgrass from growing. You can try spot treating the quackgrass with a broad, um, um, uh, broad spectrum weed control like glyphosate kills everything that's green. You have to be careful with that because, of course, that will kill your good grass as well. But maybe you can do some spot treating. You could also try taking the shovel, digging out some of the quack grass. You'll find those long rhizomes on there, the root system. If you can remove that, reseed it with a fine fescues or uh, a blend of Kentucky bluegrass, uh, perennial rye, and fine fescues for uh, sunny uh, lawn conditions. That can help to outcompete the quack grass. Okay, so it's a tough. Uh, it is qu- a tough issue. Yep. Let's uh, go back to the phones. I think Lois in New Hope has been waiting. Thank you, Lois. Good morning. Um, I have a question about. Uh, it's just a plain, plain um, tomato plant, like a big boy or better boy. Um, I planted it in a new area, gave it good compost soil. Um, and now there's small tomatoes on it, but the tops are curling. I looked took, looked at a leaf, and there's no bugs or anything in there. Um, I don't, I mean, it's healthy, healthy. What I did yesterday was mix up some Epsom salts. Um, I know that's for, um, what is that called, bottom rot. Um, and I don't, that was just yesterday, a tablespoon of Epsom salt to a gallon of water. Oh. If there's something more to um, to do or what? No, I wouldn't worry too much about it. We see that leaf curling or leaf roll is fairly common in certain varieties of tomatoes. But as it, if if it's uh, the if the leaves are still all green and everything, I think that's fine. There's nothing really more you can do about it. it even watering will help a lot with uh, uh, the blossom end rot. So continual moisture. So not letting it get really dry, really wet, really dry is what causes that blossom end rot. So regular waterings, mulching so that there's uh, sufficient moisture for the roots should help. Okay. A uh, texter says this, I'm growing red cabbage. The leaves have multiple holes in them, but when do I harvest the heads of that cabbage? You harvest the heads as soon as the head looks big enough to you to uh, be of significance. So uh, it's possible that it's getting close to that, but you can, you can leave cabbage on for the whole summer. The heads will get bigger slowly over time. They tend to get a bigger core in them and older and tougher if you leave them out there too long. If you still have your seed packet, you can look on or you, well, cabbage. You probably planted to put the plants in. But uh, cabbage takes about 60 days from the time you put it out. So we 60, 75 days. So uh, really, but the, the issue is, is it big enough? size. Okay. Uh, Texter says this, uh, how many years does it take Honeycrisp apple trees to set fruit? Well, we hope it's uh, sooner than later, but (laughs) sometimes individual plants can be what we call recalcitrant and slower to bear. Hopefully in five years you'll have some. Sometimes it's seven years. If you have an individual plant that has not been bearing for you, you could consider getting another tree um, itself. Now, of course, you've got to have um, more than one kind of apple, and with all the fruits, I actually think it's better if you've got two or three kinds together to make sure they have the cross-pollination so you have the fruit set. Okay. Uh, anything new on the battlefront against Japanese beetles? 
Uh, probably not. Unfortunately. <laughs> but Japan, no, unfortunately. But Japanese beetles, you know, they, they are a big insect. We can see them. They can do a lot of damage eating the foliage. They're not a fatal insect. They're not like the uh, emerald ash borer, some of the borers that get into plants and kill the plants in the stems. Japanese beetles are not that fatal. The the best practice, although it's uh, tedious, is hand-picking these insects off. Early in the morning, they tend to cluster, be, be less active than when the temperature's high, get a big, wide uh, bucket of, of soapy water, only an inch or two, dump them into that soapy water. So collecting them, especially early, you know, they've just come out, they tend to congregate. They tend to emit some uh, odors so that when they're feeding, they can actually attract others in. So if you can uh, kill the early ones, remove them, that might help in the long run. 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. Donna is calling from Moundsview. Donna, you're on with Mary. Hi, Mary. Um, we had a maple tree that died because of that particular... Verticillium uh, wilt. Yes, the fungus. Um, we just got it down, and there's a lot of sawdust chips or sawdust and chips out there. Can I spread that sawdust um, in a garden in another area, or do I have to worry about spreading the fungus to that to a different area? With the sawdust, I think that you will be okay. The sawdust is that uh, it's going to take a lot of nitrogen to break that down. So, uh, but that's 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 okay. Sometimes we tell, say put extra fertilizer out when you're using that sawdust as a mulch because the bacteria draw all the nitrogen out of the soil to decompose the sawdust. Uh, as far as verticillium wilt goes, uh, it's it's usually in bigger chunks, if at all, that you can transmit that disease. So it is pretty ubiquitous in the soil already. In uh, Minnesota, it's it's not something that we can think about getting rid of from the soil. It's there in most soils. So the way we deal with it is... Um, we have to keep our plants healthy. Not everything gets verticillium like your maple did. And um, tr- just um, plant a variety of species so that they don't uh, all succumb to verticillium. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. A texter says, please explain the uh, different seasons for oak wilt risk. A lot of cities say it's safe to trim after the 4th of July when that's not always the case. Um, I well, guess any doubt, <clears throat> excuse me, call an arborist. Yes. we. Uh, I was going to look up at, at the Minnesota, my Minnesota woods, but I, I feel quite certain that they're, they're going to have reduced the oak, whisk, or oak wilt risk. Uh, it was a high risk April, May, June. And then it goes to lower risk now. So the best time is in the dead of winter to do the pruning. But, uh, yes, at some point after the end of June, the, the risk goes down. So we're, we're, we have just crossed that threshold. And I think that my Minnesota Woods probably says it's a lower risk now. But, yes, you can always wait and uh, I think that most cities are not doing the pruning now. They just do it in the winter, in the dead of the winter. 
Texture said uh, there are red tiny bug dots on the leaves of an autumn blaze maple tree. What can I can I do to treat that? So those are probably caused by a mite, or uh, there are quite a number of very small insects that will cause deformities or strange things on the maples. We see those uh, galls or there's tar spot. Yes, these little red bumps and so on. Those are much more cosmetic problem than they are uh, anything that's fatal. So minimal damage to the tree. They're kind of fun to look at. I think that you'd need a microscope to actually see the mites or the insects that are in there, but they're, they're fun to look at, but do not harm the tree. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Jean is calling from Stillwater with a question. Go ahead, Jean. Um, yes, my daylilies. I've got a clump that's planted under, the, or a, about a nine by nine area that's planted under a pine tree, and all of a sudden they've been there since the late seventies, and all of a sudden that clump out of all of the rest of the daylilies in my yard has gone so that the leaves are laying flat, and they're also striped in various colors of brown and yellow and green. There are a couple of uh, leaf uh, diseases, foliar diseases, that uh, daylilies can get, and this is the time of year when that shows up. I would encourage you to um, remove that plant. If there's a lot of discoloration, striping and so on on the foliage, I would just take that plant out. Uh, Daylilies are a big, tough plant, but they can get uh, some, uh, some, we see this more and more now with a lot of daylilies planted in the landscape. So rather than uh, spraying or removing or or, um, using any pesticide, I suggest that you remove the plant. Again, you could find the pictures and match those up on the extension.umn.edu website. What's wrong with my plant? Look for herbaceous plants and look at daylilies, and you'll probably see the pictures for those uh, leaf spot diseases. Okay, very good. Mary, we have to take a quick break. We have more show to come, more Smart Garden uh, straight ahead here on CCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Denny Long here with uh, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping us out today. We have callers. We have texters, Mary, as usual. Uh, in fact, let's uh, grab Martha's call. Martha is calling from Minneapolis. Hi, Martha. Hi, I'm moving, and I want to know if I can just dig out my irises and leave them dry for a couple months until I get to my new place. It's out of state in Kansas, but well, you um, you can give it a shot, Martha. Uh, normally, I would say no for a lot of plants, but we are just approaching the time when iris go into dormancy, and this uh, late to, mid to late July is when iris are divided normally. So the the risk is, of course, leaving them dry out. But if you got a big uh, rhizome, I would keep it in a cool location. I wouldn't keep it too wet. I don't don't put it in a plastic bag where it will suffocate. But keep it in a cool location and uh, hope for the best. Cut the tops down to uh, just two to four inches on the top. I know, Mary, you did a little research during the break about the three different seasons for oak wilt yes. risk. Yes, I, I couldn't remember actually what their words were. So the words are high risk, low risk, and safe. 
So we have just moved from high risk into low risk as we change the month. So mm-hmm. we're now in July, so we're in low risk. So low risk doesn't mean no risk. So it's lower. But the safe months are November through March. So that dead of winter really is when the cities are doing most of their pruning, anything that needs to be done. We're in a lower risk now, but uh, certainly not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But if you want to be safe, wait till winter. Till winter. Yeah, that's always the best. Right. Uh, let's see. Texas, would it help to produce more flowers if you pruned some of the big leaves from morning glories? Uh, it might. It might. Morning glories tend to be uh, a kind of, uh, I think the most of the ones are day, um, day length sensitive. So as I'm trying to remember, it's, a, it's the, uh, they need the short days to flower. So we might just see the difference as you go into the day length as well. You can try that. Most times that's not a good idea to take off foliage to increase flowers. Uh, Texter says this, Mary, any tips for keeping hanging baskets and flower pots looking good when it gets this hot and dry? You know, it all depends on the species of a flower that you have. Some of our flowers uh, and, and plants, the penicetum, the grass, uh, catharanthus, the, the um, what's another name for that? The vinca love hot weather conditions, but many other things don't do well when it gets really, really hot. So they need water at a regular uh, basis, and the roots of hanging baskets can get too hot as well. The roots can damage are damaged by the heat before the tops are. So keeping them cool, using nice cool water uh, will help. Of course, I guess you could always move it to the shade in the heat of the day. Too much maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, Texter says this, uh, part of my community garden at church is a small raised bed with beets, carrots, cucumber, and chives. It must be destroyed for a landscaping project. Can I transplant those to another area? I don't want to just throw them out because all the produce goes to the food shelf. You could try it. The chives will come along just fine. They're a small enough plant. The beets and carrots are really difficult. Those being root crops will be really tough to transplant. And the cucumber, uh, maybe. So have your containers ready. You know, do this with a shovel. Get as much roots as possible. Put them right into the containers. Keep them well watered. Maybe put them in the shade for a day or two until they recover. Okay. Texter says this, I have a six-year-old Dutch-resistant elm. It has blown over several times in the past and now is only 60% leaf covered. I started to cut the dead out. But the branches are green, even though they look dead. What, what do I do with the tree? Is it worth it to try to save it, or should I just replace it? My big concern is you use this words, it blew over. Yeah. So the root system is so weak that it's not really established well in the soil. So I think I would actually give it some help and support for a year or two to try to get that root system better established. You want to make sure that you don't have stem-girdling roots with this plant as well. If it's young, you want to look down and find those primary roots coming off of the root system and make sure that they're not going around in a circle. If they're going around a circle, you need to cut those, cut a big chunk out of that circling root. But you, but you need to give it some support till it establishes itself. We don't 
usually recommend that with trees, but it sounds like it's so weak that that's a good place to start. 60% leaves is not the best, but I'd I'd hope for the best. And then uh, if it hasn't improved by next year, I'd get a new tree. Okay. Is it okay, the texter says, to prune lilacs and dogwoods? Uh, yes, you. Uh, we're we're getting really down to the wire with the lilacs because they're they're putting out their buds now that will stay on and then bloom next year. You would you might sacrifice some of the flowers with the lilac. Dogwood blooms later, so you can prune that now. Is it uh, still okay to uh, prune? I'm sorry. Will borax help kill my creeping Charlie? That can be kind of dangerous for your yard. Yes, can it? we. We don't recommend that, really. Uh, borax is a metal. In, it, borax, is a, borax is an element that has a detrimental effect on plant growth. In it can kill creeping Charlie, but it can stay in the soil and be uh, detrimental to other plants as well. So, creeping Charlie can be killed with a broadleaf weed killer that has more than one chemical in there. So, you want to see two or three active ingredients on the label. You want to put that on when the uh, the creeping Charlie is actively growing. You need six to twelve inches of of stem and plant leaves to take up a lot of that chemical, and you might have to put it on at at two week intervals. You know, we should mention the website again, too, Mary, for the U of Yes, uh, extension.umn.edu. Click on garden. We have what insect is that? What weed is that? What's wrong with my plant? Lots of pictures. We've got a lot of new uh, vegetable uh, uh, information that we've put up. So lots of information there. Yeah, it's a great website. Uh, the texture says, I bought a fiddle leaf plant, a house plant. It has some white bugs in the back of the leaves. Google said it's a mealy bug. Oh. How do I get rid of them? Google said it's a mealy bug. <laughs> so I think you saw a picture of this mealy bug. Yes, these are horrific looking things. They can look like pieces of cotton, but they move around. Suck the juices out of the plants. Mealybugs are difficult to control. They have a life cycle that uh, enables them to really persist over a long time. Your best bet is taking your plant outside, is spraying it off with water, and using insecticidal soap. You want to get that insecticidal soap up uh, up underneath the leaf on the underside, spray it. You, you need to do this like every two weeks for uh, six times because they, that's how these mealybugs hatch out. All right, let's grab one more call, I think, Mary. Pat is calling from uh, Arden Hills. Go ahead, Pat. Hi. Uh, I would like to know how to rid my uh, yard of white clover, the grass. You know, some people actually put that in their yard, like me. Bees, bees love it. <laughs> bees love it. It's a great legume. It gives nitrogen to the soil. But it is a tougher um, weed or it's a tougher plant to control. So you can control it with uh, a weed killer that has more than one active ingredient. So you need to look for the weed killer that says uh, white clover on the label, and you'll have to be persistent in putting it on at least a couple of times. 2,4-D is a common weed killer in these uh, for broadleaf weeds. That alone will not kill white clover. Uh, that is actually the chemical we tell people to use to kill dandelions that won't kill white, white clover. So just look for uh, multi, multiple active ingredients, something that says white clover on the label, and you'll probably have to do it a couple times. Okay, we've got about a minute or so to go. Can I cut the candles off and lightly prune my spruce trees now? 
Yes, you can. Uh, we we do recommend that sometimes we talk about cutting the candles in half when you do pruning um, on uh, spruce. This is a good time to do that. Another texture says, I have raspberry bushes that popped up in my backyard. I let them grow. I want to move them. There are a lot of new shoots popping up. Picked a bowl of uh, berries yesterday. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Yes, uh, raspberries are uh, a kind of a good weed to pop up. They they move fairly easily, especially if you take uh, some of the runners or the suckers that have come out from the main plant. So you can do that with a shovel. Uh, this isn't the greatest time to move them. Early spring is the easier time, but they are really a tough plant, so you probably will be successful. You keep as much soil as possible on the roots. All right, one more time, Mary, and thank you for being here today, that website. Yes, our website is extension.umn.edu. Click on Garden for all your answers to your garden questions. Get out to the I'll read them. Yes. I, I forgot to mention the Master Gardeners in Hennepin County have a big learning tour today. You can look that up online. Get out there today. Yes, beautiful gardens. Thanks, Mary. My pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.